You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. Today, we're going to talk about healing from separation from yourself, from source, and from each other. As I do this podcast, we're moving into mid-December, the darkest time of the year in the Western Hemisphere. This has always been a time for me to go within and connect more deeply with the part of myself that is eternal. It's time to really connect with what's going on on the inside. Check my emotional temperature and see if I'm in alignment with my soul's highest calling. You see, I believe we're not random accidents of nature. We're souls having a human experience. And we've all come here for a reason. Our lives matter. We have significance. But we get caught up in all the noise and the drama created by Western society. We forget who we are on the deepest levels. But as the darkness descends upon us, we're called to withdraw our energies from the outside world and reconnect with our true nature. We're not separate from nature. We're a part of nature. We're affected by everything that happens in the natural world. We affect the natural world, and the natural world affects us. As the last of the leaves fall from the trees and the north winds blow, there's a quiet, a stillness that comes upon us. It would benefit us all if we could go into that stillness and find what awaits us there. We find distractions in the holiday season, the shopping, the parties, and the hustle and bustle of this time of year. We actually find distractions any time of year. Distractions are what keep us from ourselves. So what if we could become a little less distracted and a little more tuned in to the natural world? Sometimes our religions separate us from nature rather than bringing us closer. Some people see nature as separate from God. Anything in this physical universe is not part of the spiritual. But I believe there's no separation. If you watch nature and the many changes it goes through in high speed, you would see a brilliant spiritual force behind the scenes, making it all unfold. This living spirit is in all things and forever unfolding into new creations. It's a process of death and rebirth, erosion and renewal, as I talked about in my podcast, When Kali Comes Knocking. We can easily assign the death, and the erosion aspect of nature to some demonic or dark force. Yet it's a part of nature's cyclical process. There's nothing dark or morbid about death. 
death brings, the rebirth. The evil energies on the planet are in alignment with the energies of death and decay, but death and decay are not evil energies. Evil's really born from separation. It's born from the overinflated ego and the need to see itself as not only separate but superior. It's easy to see those who align with the forces of evil as misguided souls because they really are. They've forgotten who they are. They've forgotten their connection to nature and to all living things. And when one is so separated from his true nature, he develops a me-against-the-world attitude instead of a belief that I am part of the whole, connected to all living things, embodying the life force energy that moves through all living things. When we descend this deeply into separation and can't comprehend that we are one with all living things, we fail to see that what we do to another, we essentially do to ourselves. We're affected by our actions, whether we realize it or not. Although narcissism can be born of childhood trauma, it's also born of the superior ego. If a child has parents who believe in their own superiority, their superiority will be projected upon their children. When superiority is projected upon the children, the children come to believe that they can do no wrong. So when little Johnny Jr. hits another child on the school playground and it's his parents are called in, the parents will tend to defend Johnny Jr.'s, Jr.'s actions and assign the guilt to the child who was hit, saying something like, he must have done something to deserve it. Or they may tell the principal that they'll handle Johnny Jr. at home and then never do anything. So Johnny Jr. is never held accountable for his bad behavior. He learns he's special in a way that means superior and entitled. This type of child may never experience physical or verbal abuse but will be held to very high standards and perhaps neglected on an emotional level. The attention is put on material possessions, status, and accomplishments, rather than on any kind of emotional or spiritual nurturing. This is one type of narcissist who, if left unchecked, can easily go to the dark side. The other type of evildoer is deeply traumatized in childhood and as a result develops a deep hatred and a desire for revenge. Although this desire for revenge is usually for revenge against the original abuser, normally the parent or parents, it's not safe for that child to be angry at the parents and so that anger is directed out at the world. The more one is cut off from his emotions and projects them outward, the darker he or she can become. So the darkness or evil on the planet is actually the result of deep emotional pain, trauma, and a belief that one is highly superior or highly inferior. What it comes down to is one word, separation. When we develop a belief that we are separate from nature and all living things, we become disconnected from source. 
This means we no longer are being fed by the energies of life, regeneration, and renewal. We are instead plugged into the energies of death and decay. We become a destructive force in the universe rather than a loving and creative force. I see God as the creative force of the universe, and when we're plugged into this force, we can be creative and productive citizens of the planet who have the goodwill of all beings at heart. We have at least a subconscious understanding that we're connected to the all that is. And the more we understand our deeper connection, the more compassion and empathy for our fellow beings we develop. Not just for our fellow humans, but for all the inhabitants of Earth. The more disconnected we are, the more we spiral into feelings of inferiority or superiority. And the more we spiral into inferiority and superiority, the more we see ourselves as separate. Now, not all people who are in deep separation are evil or do evil deeds, but all who do evil deeds are in deep separation. In my recent podcast on depression, I talked about how it is our feelings of disconnection that are at the root of depression. We become disconnected from ourselves, from others, and from nature. Our disconnection comes from seeing ourselves as separate. We become isolated and insulated from the voice of our own soul, from the natural world, and from each other. We learn to see nature as a harsh place that we need to shield ourselves from. We develop distrust in people and see them as a source of pain and suffering. We see God or source as the ultimate betrayer who has let us down time and time again. When we disconnect from our inner voice, we don't hear our soul's calling and we wander aimlessly lost, stuck on survive and lacking a sense of purpose in life. And this in itself is depressing. When we isolate and disconnect from other people, we feel lonely and empty. Life becomes meaningless. I don't know if you've ever read the book or watched the film Into the Wild about a man who abandoned his life and went into the wilderness in Alaska to live off the land. His romantic notion of living off the land turned into a nightmare when he ate something that was poisonous and he died alone in the wild. He kept a journal that was found with his body and one of the last things he said was, happiness is only real when shared. It was at the end of his life he realized that being alone wasn't the answer. In my work with people, I often find that so many people isolate from each other as a result of trauma in the family and in their relationships. When we suffer harsh abuse at the hands of those who are supposed to love us, we lose trust in people. Or we continue to get involved with people who abuse us because our self-worth is so low. 
for many, it can be difficult to believe that there are kind-hearted, good people out there who would treat them well. So they just isolate themselves from others and live a lonely, empty life. What most people don't realize is that when they have a strong distrust in others, their own behavior can be difficult to be around. As a result, they end up pushing away the very people who would be there for them. And this is why it's so important to work on healing our core wounds and beliefs in our process of reconnecting to life. If you have developed a belief that love hurts, then love itself becomes the enemy. Love is avoided. And imagine what life would be like if we all avoided love. If we all saw love as the enemy, it would be a very cold and dark place. I always say that it is never love that hurts us. It's the lack of love that hurts us. And we need to learn to stop taking the lack of love in others so personally. There are a lot of people who are hurting in the world. But when we make the choice to cut ourselves off from others and isolate in our own little worlds, we're hurting ourselves. We can't leave ourselves out in this equation because we may be experiencing lack of love within ourselves, the inability to truly generate that love for ourselves. There is a lot of love and goodness in the world. And if you're someone who has lost your faith in humanity and the goodness of others, perhaps it's time to go on a quest to find the goodness in others. We can always find the faults and the flaws in each other if we look for them, because none of us are perfect. We all have wounds and fears and inadequacies. We all have wants, needs, and desires. The Course in Miracles tells us that every action or behavior is a cry for love. Any unloving behavior we witness in others is coming from fear. Every living being ultimately wants to be loved. We all desire love. Even the most evildoer on the planet becomes that way because he was denied love, and now he acts from fear. When we fail to forgive those who have done us harm, we hold on to our fear and lack. Forgiveness sets us free to love more. Now, forgiveness doesn't ask us to invite abuse into our lives or keep our abusers close to us. It simply invites us to develop a deeper understanding. This behavior was a cry for love from a person who was deeply rooted in fear. When we can surrender our enemies to love, which is the same as putting them in God's hands, we free ourselves to have more love. If we hold on to our anger, our fear, and our resentment towards those who have hurt us, we close ourselves off to love. Often it's our own fear that prevents us from forgiving and letting go. We're afraid that the behavior coming from the other is proof that we are unlovable, unworthy, or not good enough. We may have a belief if we were good enough, 
they would have never treated us that way. But this is the ultimate lie. The greater truth is if that person truly believed he was enough, he would have no need to treat you the way that he did. His treatment of you comes from his own fear that he's not enough. When you can understand this and not take his behavior so personally, you can release him into the hands of the divine and set yourself free to love on deeper and deeper levels. All love begins with self-love. We need to be able to see our own worth and value. And the more we value ourselves, the more we're capable of valuing others. Because it's a universal truth that we're all one, what we believe about ourselves gets projected out onto those closest to us. So if we're looking for love and loving relationships, we need to first look at our relationship with ourselves. Love begets love. So the more you open your heart to love, the more love you have in your life. Love is not a commodity that you need to hoard or hold on to. The more you try and hoard or hold on to love, the more you restrict the flow of love in your life. Love is like a river and it needs to flow freely. So give your love freely to yourself and to others. I'm not saying don't have boundaries, but do look for where you have blocked the flow of love in your own life and work to unblock it. Non-forgiveness is like a dam in the river of love. Practice love and forgiveness in your daily life. Remember that forgiveness frees you up so more love can flow into your life. If you had an experience with an unloving person, develop an understanding that their lack of love is about them shutting themselves off. It isn't about you. You making it about you cuts off the flow of love in your own life. Don't assume because someone leaves you for another that he or she has love to give to that other. It may be that person is looking to get love from another because he has none to give or she has none to give. And this may be the experience you also had with this person. Set this person free to have whatever experience he or she chooses and forgive the hurtful behavior. Forgive knowing it came from fear and lack. He did the best he could given where he was in consciousness. If it wasn't good enough for you, then it's good that he's gone. So you can create something much more fulfilling for yourself. We often don't develop this attitude because of our own fear. We fear we're not enough. We fear we're not lovable. We fear we're inadequate. We fear that person's unloving behavior is only evidence of our own inadequacy. We become angry at that person for making us feel so inadequate when it really wasn't that person making us feel anything. On some level, we already felt inadequate. So perhaps the gift in the other person's poor treatment of you is that you can see the poor treatment you've given to yourself. 
that person exposes you to your own negative beliefs about yourself. And now you can heal these negative self-perceptions and become more self-loving. As you become more self-loving, you invite more love into your life. With this understanding, you can be free to connect with others from a place of love. But when you are in a fearful, triggered place, you may find yourself projecting your fears onto others and pushing them away. There's an important life question. Do you believe you live in a friendly universe or a hostile universe? The answer to that question can determine what kind of experience you will have in life. When you believe that you live in a friendly universe, your mind will find all the friendly people and experiences. When you believe you live in a hostile universe, your mind will seek out all the hostility to prove you right. Another important question is, do you believe people are inherently good or bad? The answer to this question will determine the kinds of experiences you will continue to have from this day forward. Some of you were born into negative and abusive environments, which may have given you the belief that the universe is hostile and people are bad, which may have continued to create this experience of a hostile universe for you. Now, it wasn't your fault that you were born into an abusive family and didn't get the love and positive attention you deserved, but it is your responsibility, if you're looking for a happier life, to change the way you perceive the world. Personally, I've developed a belief that the world is both hostile and friendly, so I experience both sides of the coin in my life. But if I can work to develop a stronger belief in the friendly nature of the universe, perhaps I won't have to have so much darkness still visiting my life. I'm not talking about being a Pollyanna and completely ignoring the darker side of life. What I'm talking about is changing our perception so that our own heart is more friendly towards life and life's more unfortunate circumstances. For example, what happens in your own heart when you tell yourself that someone you know is pure evil? I've heard this term used a lot in relationship to the narcissist in someone's life. Normally, the thought or belief that someone is pure evil brings a hardness to your own heart, and that hardness holds this anger, resentment, fear, and a desire for revenge. Now, I've been there. I know these feelings well. I never judge others for having these feelings, but it is my goal to help them work through these feelings so that they can have a more friendly heart, a more open and loving heart. A friendly heart is a loving heart, and a loving heart brings more love into your life. And what the world needs now is love, sweet love. You know that song? We need to learn to shift our perspective of the person we see as pure evil to seeing them as deeply wounded and disconnected from themselves and source. This fosters more compassion and empathy that helps us get back to a place of forgiveness and release. Noticed I used the word release. 
This means we can let them go without holding on to our hostility towards them. I wonder if you might like to join me in transitioning to a friendly universe, to look for the friend in ourselves and in each other, to know in our heart of hearts that everyone just wants to be loved. It's not our job to save or rescue others, but when we can come from love, others have the opportunity to rise up and meet us there. If they don't, it's not our issue. Ultimately, we're responsible for what lies in our own hearts. We can begin to look for the good news instead of focusing on the bad. We can engage in random acts of kindness on a daily basis and be aware of random acts of kindness coming from others. We can get outside of our four walls and connect with others and connect with nature. We can devote our lives to being of service to others rather than to self. Of course, self-love comes first. But what's next? Next is to take that self-love out into the world and be of service. What might be a really fun experiment is to create a Pinterest account and pin everything that feels kind, generous, and loving onto your page. You can also do this on Facebook. Keep adding more of the beauty to your page on a daily basis. Or if you collect newspapers or magazines, cut out the articles that have good news and inspiration. If you find a particular good news or inspirational story, send it to me and I'll read it in my podcast. Let's try to see the good in each other. Remember, we all just want to be loved. We all want to give and receive love. It's our fear that is the enemy of love. See unloving behavior as a cry for love. Don't allow abusive behavior into your life because It's not self-loving. But forgive the abuser and set him or her free to have his or her own experience of life. Put the abuser in the hands of the divine. It's not your responsibility to fix or heal others. Codependency is not self-loving. Remember that you are enough. You come from love. And you return to love. Love is your divine inheritance. You are worthy beyond your greatest imaginings. Your life has so much importance. Rise up. Be the love you've come here to be. Together, we can truly create a new reality, a new earth, a place of love, peace, and harmony. Will you join me? Thank you so much for listening. To find out more about my work, my counseling, my audio downloads, books, articles, please come to my website, NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Have a great day 
and we'll see you in the next podcast.